Uh, kids, your uh, word of the day is Hosanna for obvious reason. I'm warning you, there's a lot of Hosannas in this one. Uh, if you're visiting with us, uh, for the children, I give them a word of the day for them to just listen for, write down every many times I say it in my sermon, and then uh, I have a scorekeeper each time. My scorekeeper is Josh Crawford. Josh, stand up. I, th- I, th- I thought it'd be good uh, to, to have Josh do it today because, number one, he always sits in the back, and I, I got him in the front this time. Uh, number two, he is the director of the Sandusky Summer Project uh, this summer. So all of that that you just saw, he has to manage. So be in prayer for Josh. And uh, come up to him afterwards, introduce yourself if you don't know Josh. And, uh, and seriously, if you could, could think of it this summer, pray for Josh, uh, our summer project, as well as all the other uh, trips that are taking place. Uh, but kids, Josh, your scorekeeper, and what he says goes. All right. Um, this is now the third week, preaching with this stupid boot on my foot. And I will be honest, I am getting really tired of this thing. Uh, People keep asking me how I'm doing, and I will just go ahead and say it, I am miserable. Uh, Not because of the pain, but because of all that this entails. Um, I'm tired of telling the story over and over and over again of how it happened. If you've asked me this morning, it's okay, I still love you. But I'm tired of telling the story, especially since it's an embarrassing story. Uh, The first week when I told you what happened, uh, Abby said, you know, you left out the most important detail and they were a little disingenuous in your congregation, so you probably need to repent and tell them what happened. So so what I told you was I was at the park playing tag with my kids and I fractured my foot. That is true. What she said I conveniently left out is I was at the park playing tag with my kids in my house slippers. And, and uh, apparently those, those don't have good support. So uh, I'm tired of telling the story. Um, I'm tired of how silly I look. We had the Trinity Gala last night, and there was the headmaster of the school, Mr. Hopalong, rolling through the crowd on his scooter. I hate dropping things and people having to pick them up for me. I hate that people I normally am holding the door open for are holding doors open for me. I hate that I have to sit on the couch with my foot up and watch the final round of the Masters this afternoon. (laughs) I like that one. Here's, Here's the deal. I hate neediness. I don't want to be needy. I want to be needed. I don't want to appear weak. I want to appear strong. I don't want to need help. I want to be the helper. I don't want to feel out of control. I like to be in control. I hate neediness. And so do you, whether you know it or not. And then here comes Palm Sunday, which stares every single one of us down and demands neediness from us all. The central message of Palm Sunday is our complete and total desperation. And it's found in the refrain of Palm Sunday, a word that you have sung already, a word that you have repeatedly said in the liturgy, but a word that I wonder if you are ready to embrace this morning, the word Hosanna. 
Hosanna isn't as easy as you think. Indeed, Hosanna is a challenge, is an affront to all of us this morning. The central message of Palm Sunday is found in this word that demands neediness from us all. And so we're going to look at this challenge. We're going to look at the challenge of Hosanna for us this morning, and we're going to look at it in two ways. The challenge to admit Hosanna, and then the challenge to trust Hosanna. The challenge to admit Hosanna. Look at verse 9. Like I said, I read the entire story for context's sake, but the majority of our time we're going to just look at this one verse. Really, one word. The famous cry of Palm Sunday. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So obviously, this word Hosanna is prominent here, which is why it is so prominent in Palm Sunday tradition. But what does it even mean? Hosanna literally means God save us. It was known as the, the ultimate cry of desperation, which happens to be the cry that we all fear the most. Hosanna demands humility. Hosanna admits poverty, inability, weakness, neediness, and all of these other deficiencies that we hate to admit. In short... Hosanna forces us to tell the truth about ourselves, the truth we all fear to name. Something you need to understand that isn't obvious in our passage is that not everyone greeted Jesus with shouts of Hosanna. The text says that those who were before him and those who followed him were shouting Hosanna, but we also know that there were others on the outskirts of this whole spectacle they were not shouting Hosanna. In fact, they were condemning the shouts of Hosanna. This comes out a lot more in Luke's gospel account. Luke talks about the part of the crowd that was indignant over this whole scene, even rebuking Jesus for not telling them to stop. So we typically think of Palm Sunday as a crowd in unison shouting Hosanna in the highest to the king. But that's not the case. Many were, but many were not. And what divides the two is whether or not they think they need Hosanna. Their refusal to shout Hosanna has implications, yes, of course, about how they view Jesus. They did not view him as the coming king. But it also has implications for how they view themselves. Luke tells us that it was the Pharisees who were rebuking the crowd for shouting Hosanna. And if you are familiar at all with the Gospels, then you know that's nothing new for the Pharisees. They are, they are the villains of the Gospels. But they are villains not for their badness, but for their goodness. Not for their irreligious behavior, but for their religious behavior. Or at least that's the way they perceive themselves. Every encounter that Jesus has with somebody in the Gospels always turns into a Hosanna moment. Always. 
Whenever you meet someone, it ends with that person essentially saying, save me. Whether it's my disease, my sins, my situation, Hosanna, save me. Every encounter turns into a Hosanna moment, but the Pharisees are the glaring exception. They viewed themselves as righteous and right. As in, we don't need you, Jesus. Jesus, you actually need us. You need us to tell you what's right. You need us to correct you. You need us to tell you what you're getting wrong. And so while Jesus was loved by so many, to the Pharisees and to honestly to the other religious sects of the day, um, the Sadducees, the scribes, Jesus was offensive and threatening. So what we see in the gospel is that Jesus was fiercely loved and Jesus was fiercely hated. And the dividing line was how people viewed themselves and their need for Jesus. And nowhere is that dividing line clearer than Palm Sunday. As some shout Hosanna and others scorn Hosanna. And what this does for us is invite, I'll go further and say, demand that we decide where we stand with Hosanna. Now, I know you know what you're supposed to say here. You're in church, after all. The right answer, of course, is, well, I'm on the Hosanna side. But I want to press in a little bit on that, okay? Because I think we underestimate the challenge of admitting Hosanna. Because it goes against everything we are Condition to believe. Our world values strength. Hosanna is a declaration of weakness. Our world values competence. Hosanna is a declaration of incompetence. Our world values independence. Hosanna is a declaration of dependence. Our world values morals. Be a good person. Hosanna's deck is the declaration, I'm a bad person. Do you see what I mean? Do not underestimate the challenge of Hosanna, for it demands you renounce all that you are taught to pursue. It's hard. And if you are here this morning, by chance, would not identify yourself as a follower of this Jesus we call King, And you're just investigating what are the claims of this thing we call Christianity. Um, I would say this is our central claim. It really is this. You got to say Hosanna. It's hard. It's hard because essentially it's, it's an admission that I can't do anything and Jesus is my only hope. But that is what's required. Hosanna is what's required. I don't care how successful you are. I don't care how educated you are. I don't care how moral you are. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how gifted you are. I don't care how awesome you, your career, your children, your legacy is. You may impress the entire world, but heaven is not impressed. The only thing that matters is Hosanna. 
The cry that all you have and all that you have done is meaningless and worthless and all you have left is one simple, desperate cry, Hosanna in the highest. That is what's asked of you. Now that's admittedly tough, but deep down, I think you know it's a relief. I think you know how exhausting it is to prove to everyone how great you are, to prove to yourself, to prove to the world, to prove to your parents how awesome you are, and I think you are exhausted by this attempt to maintain the facade of sufficiency. I think you're dying to just give up and shout Hosanna. I think everybody is. And what I'm telling you is you're allowed to. You're allowed to give up and just say, God save me. And from personal experience, I can tell you there is nothing more freeing. But for us, the... The people of Hosanna, those who say our only hope in life and death is that I am not my own, but belong body and soul to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. To us, the people of Hosanna, we're not off the hook here. It's not as if Hosanna isn't still a challenge to admit. Have you noticed this tendency, Christian? Have you noticed this tendency that happens to us all where we start to get ashamed of a Hosanna? Meaning this, we actually hide our Hosanna from others. We are embarrassed by Hosanna in our lives. We hate that Hosanna remains. In our, we, what's wrong with me? I should be over this by now. I should be more mature than this. Hosanna is okay for others, but I hate it in myself. I really think that's a big struggle for us. And I'll give you some diagnostic questions here to help to see if it's a struggle for you because I think it probably is more than you know it. Here's some questions. Do you enjoy gossip? Like, like, do you like a good piece of juicy gossip about the downfall of another person? Do you know why? Because you hate your need of Jesus and it makes you feel good to hear that others need him even more than you. I'm bad, but at least I'm not that bad. My kids are bad, but at least my kids aren't that bad. That is to say, they need Hosanna more than me. All that is is a minimizing Hosanna in your life. How about this? Are your confessions and apologies deficient? Or maybe even non-existent. If you don't know how to apologize, then you definitely, you definitely don't know Hosanna. But are your confessions and apologies deficient? Meaning this, either really general, like I'm a sinner. We all know to say that. We're Christians, we're here. I'm a sinner, I know that. But I'm not going into the specificity of my sin. We're not going there. I'm fine being called a sinner. And then if I were to ask you, okay, yes, we all are, but what kind are you? I'm not going there. Or is your confession and apology shallow where you will name your failures, but not the fullness of your failures? 
or your apologies and confessions are accompanied by excuses and justifications. Do you know why you do that? Because you're okay with a little bit of need, but you aren't okay with all out Hosanna. How about this? Is community difficult for you? And when I say community, I mean community as it should be. Real community where you actually are really known. Do you run from Christian community when it moves beyond the shallow and ventures out into the deeper waters of vulnerability? Is that when you run from community? Do you know why that is? You're afraid of what others may find. You're afraid that they will discover Hosanna within. We could keep doing these diagnostic questions, but my point is that they all reveal that admitting Hosanna remains a challenge for us all. We have to recalibrate ourselves once again around Hosanna as our central creed. What if Hosanna is not merely the cry of newborn baby Christians, it is the mature dialogue of seasoned saints? What if it is indeed the very nature of Christian discipleship? In fact, what if Christian growth only raises the volume of Hosanna because you see your need for it even more? Projects here. Summer Project does not exist to to, uh, get you so disciple that you need Jesus less. Summer Projects exist to get you so disciple that that the volume of Hosanna is lifted high. Brothers and sisters, I know Hosanna is hard. Personally, I know it's hard. But please listen to me, every single one of you. Please listen to me. It really is okay to need Jesus. Is that not just so simple, but so freeing? My wife said that to me. I got good feedback from my wife after her sermon. I was like, hey, hey, all right. After the first service, she said, it's okay for me to need Jesus. I said, yes, Abby. (laughs) It's okay. Y'all, it's okay to need Jesus. It is, in fact, the very point of this thing. You know that, right? We call him Savior for a reason. Because he is the answer to the cry, God, save me. So just admit it, Hosanna in the highest. That's all I got. And then trust that the cry of Hosanna will be answered. This leads us to the next challenge. Not the challenge to admit Hosanna, but the challenge to trust Hosanna. What is important to understand about the triumphal entry is that they are shouting, God save us, but they have in mind the wrong salvation. And we see this in the palm branches of all things. This is called Palm Sunday because of verse 8. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road. Others cut branches from the trees, that is palm branches, and spread them on the road. We know from other gospel accounts that they were waving the palm branches at the Savior. What is that all about? What is this Palm Sunday all about? Why did our kids just come down the aisle waving palm branches? Well, palm branch had become a Jewish national symbol, a symbol of Jewish victory. 
So this is a deeply patriotic moment. Think of this as like a 4th of July parade, okay? Look again at verse 9. Hosanna to the son of David. Now, wrapped up in that cry are centuries of expectation. Son of David is a nationalistic, political title, which means they are viewing Jesus as offering them a nationalistic, political salvation. Israel's hero, King David, was given a promise by God that another would come in the line of David who would be king of kings, who would rule and reign over all, and whose kingdom would have no end. That coming king became known as the son of David. But after David... Israel suffered through terrible king after terrible king after terrible king after terrible king. Subsequently, things got so bad that they were taken over by all the other nations. And at this point in the story, the most powerful nation of all the Roman Empire was in complete control. But then comes Jesus, who claimed to be the king of Israel, the promised son of David. And people started to believe him. And his fame begins to spread. The son of David is here. And now he is approaching the capital city of Israel. He is approaching Jerusalem. And everyone is thinking it's finally time. It's actually going to happen. He's going to save us and make Israel great again. I said that same thing in the first service. That is not a polit- that was not a political slip there, okay? Make Israel great again. That has nothing to do with make America great again, okay? I said that in the first service and messed up and everybody was like, what were you was that subtle? No, no subtle there, no political thing. That's what they were thinking. Restore the glory of Israel. Make our country, our nation, our people the greatest on earth. Hosanna to the son of David. But you and I know that Jesus had in mind a salvation much more substantial than that. He has come to bring ultimate salvation, not deliverance from Rome, but deliverance from the tyranny of sin, Satan, and death. He has come to bring ultimate salvation over an ultimate enemy. And this greater salvation would not look like how this crowd wanted it to look. Oh, how quickly the tide of opinion would turn on Jesus. In a matter of days, another crowd will not be shouting, save us. They will be shouting, kill him. And even his most loyal Friends and followers will all turn away, will all abandon him. What happened during that week that changed things from Palm Sunday to crucify him? What happened was unmet expectations. Jesus was neither the king they wanted, nor did he bring the salvation they envisioned. They wanted salvation, but they wanted to dictate the terms of that salvation. Lord, save us. Just as long as you fix what we want you to fix the way we want you to fix it. But Jesus doesn't work that way. He is the perfect Savior because he answers the cry of Hosanna the way we need, not the way we want. 
He knows what we need. He knows what is best. He sees the real problem even if we don't. And he loves us too much to forsake his plan in the name of our expectations. And praise him that this is so. What would have happened if he did things the way the crowd was expecting him to do so? What would have happened? Well, I suppose their life would have gotten better. Their life would have gotten easier. Their circumstances would improve. Their ego, their nationalistic pride would have been stroked and they experienced vindication. They no longer had Rome ruling over them. All those things that they wanted. I guess Jesus, if they, Jesus did it their way, that's what they would have gotten. But at what cost? No cross, no blood, no atonement, no resurrection hope, just improved circumstances. True Hosanna, true trust in Jesus is exactly that. Trust, unconditional trust in the Savior. We not only cry out for salvation, but we submit to the ways of his salvation. We lay down our expectation of what we think he should do, and we gladly receive what he is doing, even if we can't understand it. But this is so hard for us. It's one thing to admit weakness and cry out for help. It's another thing to trust that help. That's my other struggle with this darn boot. Doctor said four weeks. Off your feet. And if you're on your feet, you got to be in the boot. A few days later, ah, what's that doctor know anyway? Take it off. Four weeks. That's too long. And what is this thing? How is it even helping? It's just a big old plastic shoe. So forget it. I'm going back to normal life. I did that a couple times. And guess what happened every time I paid for it with a lot of pain? You're not going to believe this, but these doctors, they actually know what they're talking about. It's amazing. Amazingly, I don't know as much as them. It's one thing to come to them for help. It's another thing to accept their plan for help you, to help you. It's one thing to admit Hosanna. It's a whole other thing to trust the plan of Hosanna. So let me ask you this. Have you cried out Hosanna to Jesus? Most of here would say yes. Second question from the text this morning. Have you laid down your expectations of what that should look like and trust his plan of Hosanna in your life? Full surrender to Hosanna is not just a cry for Jesus to do what you cannot do. It is trusting that Jesus knows what he's doing. What if Hosanna leads to worse circumstances in your life, not better? It's what happened for the apostles. It's what happened for the early church. Hosanna meant life got worse, not better. What if Hosanna leads to a painful, deconstructive process of breaking down your empty trust in idols so that all you have is Jesus alone? All you have is the cry, Hosanna. What if he has to break you down to get you there? What if Hosanna leads you to being exposed So that you can actually get some help. What if Hosanna divides your family? What if Hosanna costs you friendship? What if Hosanna leads you somewhere that you don't want to go? 
takes you down a path you never saw happening? What if Hosanna means he never takes away the weakness that you so badly want him to remove and continue to pray and pray and pray that he would end it and he just isn't answering the prayer? What if that's a part of Hosanna? It certainly was for Paul. Exactly what he said. I pleaded with the Lord, take it away. The Lord said, no. I'm going to give you a, a thorn in your flesh so that every single day you wake up and have to say, Hosanna. That's what Paul was saying there. You have to live in weakness every single day. Are you okay with Jesus answering your Hosanna his way or are you dictating the terms of Hosanna? The good news is that God loves you so much that whether you want it or not, he's just going to do it. He's too good of a savior to give in to your expectations. He's going to answer his Hosanna, his way, not your way. And we know this because of what transpires during Holy Week. Today's Palm Sunday. The crowd cries out, Hosanna, God save us. They're thinking it means this. Jesus knows what it actually means. And so he says, Hosanna, I shall do. (laughs) But not your way, my way. He says, very well. You cry out, God save us. Well, I shall save you. I'll be betrayed. I'll be arrested. I'll be condemned. I'll be mocked, shamed, beaten. I will hang from a rugged cross. I will die in agonizing death. I will receive the holy indignation of heaven that you deserve. And by Saturday, I will be cold and lifeless in a tomb. I promise you on Palm Sunday, that is not what anyone in the crowd expected, but that's what everyone in the crowd needed. And that's what everyone in this crowd needs. Jesus loves us all enough to answer Hosanna his way, not our way. Here's the good news of Palm Sunday. Every single Hosanna shall be answered. There has never been an authentic cry of Hosanna that has gone unanswered. Here's the challenge of Palm Sunday. It shall shall be answered his way. But does his way work? God save us. Was he able to pull it off? Well, I will see you back here next Sunday, Easter Sunday, and we will answer that question. Hint, the answer is yes. He pulls it off. Today, we simply accept the challenge of Hosanna. We admit Hosanna. We trust Hosanna. We cry out, God save us. And a savior we shall find. Let me pray. Lord, nothing says Hosanna more than the sacrament of Holy Communion. By your spirit, meet us here with your salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.